Welcome to Medical Minefield, the podcast where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman. And I'm Eve Simmons. And we are health journalists, which means we spend our lives asking tough questions to top experts so you don't have to. This week we're talking about the menopause. Should all women be treated for it? As ever, if you've got a question or a suggestion for us on Medical Minefield, tweet us using the hashtag MedicalMinefield. Now, Eve, I will admit I am no expert on the menopause. You haven't been through the menopause? I have no lived experience of this subject. Well, I mean, apart from people I know who've been Mm. through it. Same. um, Me too. Full disclosure, neither of us have been through the menopause. Neither of us really know what we're talking about. But like most health journalists, we have spent quite a lot of time writing about it over the past year or so, I suppose, Mm. as there has been growing awareness of the menopause, uh, that the symptoms are debilitating and that there is an effective treatment out there that too few women, or, or so we've been led to believe, take. And that is hormone replacement therapy or HRT, as it's better known. And the reason why, well, some people are saying that too few women are offered it is because of some quite important risks. Is that as I Well, it's had a bit of a chequered history. About, well, 20 years ago, a major study or a couple of major studies, and, and I'm not talking, when we say major study, often it means a few hundred, maybe a few thousand, maybe 10,000. This mm. is a study of a million women uh, that examines specifically the risks of HRT treatment, which artificially boosts levels of female hormones that become depleted during the menopause um, and after. And and it looked at the risks, specifically found a raised risk of breast cancer. There was a slight raised risk of breast cancer. And the the reason this was seen was because they looked at so many women. So you'd... The, 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 as we, you know, as we saw mm. with the with the COVID jab, for instance, once you start giving something to millions and millions of people, mm. as something like HRT is, the, the, you begin to see these very rare side effects. And it examined this risk of breast cancer, and there was a slight increased risk in some women, and specifically, I think, in older women that mm. they saw this this increased risk. The study looked at women aged 50 to 64. Mm. This was an absolute body blow to HRT. Numbers of women taking it halved. Mm. So I believe prescriptions must have hovered at around 200,000 when um, it's thought that way over a million women could benefit at any one time Mm. from HRT. Doctors and scientists have long been pointed out that, that just looking at these small increased risks completely ignore not just the improvements to, I suppose you'd say, uh, more lifestyle-related issues like insomnia and hot flushes and brain fog and feeling just completely rubbish. Mm. It also ignores the fact that we know HRT protects against bone thinning disease and also heart health problems. Mm. There has been a turnaround in recent years as high profile I suppose it's something to do with the age of celebrity isn't it that that you you've got a kind of generation of of glamorous tv celebrity mm. um who aren't shuffling off into mm. you know comfy stockings and I mean god knows you know doing the knitting or whatever other cliche it is that you're supposed to do it <clears> at 50 plus you know years old you know these these like many women are career women they're glamorous 
often embarking on new relationships. Yeah. Want to stay in the public eye, want to stay at the top of their game. These women like Davina McCall, Mariella Frostrup mm. and others have really raised the profile and changed, I suppose, changed the face of menopause from... I mean, I, I always I always scream when I see... Occasionally when we do a menopause article, the, the picture researchers for the digital people who just sort of shove in, shove in pictures at a, a rapid rate because mm. they need to get the next article out there. We'll, we'll put in some kind of picture of some woman who looks about Tired, 104. A hundred-year-old woman, yeah. Which really isn't it now. And Rubbing you, her temples, you usually. know. Yes, exactly. Mm. Or fanning, fanning herself fanning furiously herself. While, while looking cross. <laughs> yeah. But, that, I mean, that's just not really the reality mm. of women in their 50s or 60s or even, you know, older now. Mm. And as a result, HRT is being taken more now. Mm. These women have, have gone public. They've said, you know, I've, I'm going through the menopause. I've been through the menopause. I took HRT. It was fine. And, you know, we saw, a, you know, the power of celebrity, I suppose. In fact, so much so that the demand has outstripped the supply that now we don't have enough HRT. But on Wednesday, there was another twist in this story when an article was published in the BMJ saying there was a risk that menopause was being over-medicalised, that too many women who didn't necessarily need HRT were now being prescribed it and therefore they were taking a drug that they didn't need and exposing themselves to, albeit a tiny risk, the risk of taking a medicine that alters body chemistry, which, you know, it's a bit of a medical hot take, isn't it? I think the thing that I found most intriguing about this paper was that there seemed to be some suggestion that this furore around menopause that's been taking off over the last few months, the Davina McCall effect, you might say, may in fact be causing people who would never have gone on to develop symptoms at all to suddenly start noticing things that are related to the menopause that they may not have. Mm. There has been something over the last year that I found slightly... I don't know what it is, maybe disturbing or confusing. It's been niggling at you. Yes, because there does seem to be a sort of a certain type of person who is advocating for more and more women to be taking HRT. Mm. The thing that I found most troubling is that women such as Davina McCall and also other celebrities is that you know, they are encouraging women to go and take HRT and saying that, that this is, you know, the, the answer. I feel like the message is very much, it's the panacea. Yes. That the, every problem that you have in middle-aged will dissolve mm. once you're on HRT. You also see this strange situation where you've got these private doctors who are popping up, specialising in the menopause, specialising in prescribing HRT. And that slightly worries me because I feel there's a bit of a conflict of interest because if mm. your one thing is the menopause and HRT, then it's in your interest to promote those drugs. Didn't Davina Payton menopausing or, or she copyrighted oh, oh, some yeah, kind of term? That. It's all a bit menopause ink. Makes me a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe you should copyright that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm already doing it. There was another piece that caught your eye this week by Suzanne Moore. There was, yes. She's written a really interesting piece talking about how the obsession with HRT just proves that as a society, we can't deal with women who are ageing in their natural state and we have to almost, you know, throw medicine at them to make mm. them appear at least younger rather than just accepting that hey, you go through the menopause, it's it's a bit crap. Well, so she, she's implying that it's a kind of almost a vanity? She's saying that a lot of women who are advocating for the wider use of HRT 
do it because they say that they they feel that the menopause makes them feel shame about being older and makes them feel you know uncomfortable about the fact that they're aging and why shouldn't they be able to stay as young for as long as they they can and if there's a medicine that can help them at least feel that way then that's brilliant and Suzanne Moore is saying it's all kind of feeds into this silencing of older women and this idea that once you get to a certain age you're not really any good unless we can do something Mm. to make you appear younger it's something my mum always said. There comes a certain point where you become invisible. Invisible. My mum says the same thing. Really? Yeah. I do think it is true. I have to say, I think men maybe suffer the or a similar kind of thing. You get to a certain age, and I'm middle aged, and I do think <laughs> it's that creeping up on it's you. creeping up <laughs> on me. I do think that people don't look at you know you don't get the looks. Definitely don't get the looks. But you know. I'm too old. But to at care some these point, days. do you want the looks? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But maybe Davina. Well, I mean, Davina clearly wants the looks. Maybe she does, or I don't know. I think she is an incredibly, uniquely successful woman mm. who is in the public eye. And as you said, some of the symptoms that she's experiencing, you know, she, she's used to having things done for her that she asks to be done for her. Maybe I right, don't know. Right. Huge celebrity, very wealthy. You know, she, exactly. she's come from. She's come from a very modest background, as as everyone knows. But mm. And um, I wonder whether, you know, Janet down the road goes through the menopause and doesn't really think much of it and it doesn't really affect her life until she starts hearing about all of these messages telling her that the thing she's, that's happening to her is horrendous and she should go and have medication to sort it out and suddenly it becomes a, a problem. And so I, I do understand where these medics writing in the British Medical Journal are coming from. Well, look, let's hear from the author of the BMJ paper, um, who we've got on the line. On the line now, we have Martha Hickey, who is Professor of Obstetrics and Gynaecology at the University of Melbourne. Professor Hickey, there seems to be in the last year or so increased discussion about menopause and awareness that we need to be talking about it and advocating for the use of HRT and and saying that not enough people are given it. What I found intriguing in your paper is there seemed to be some suggestion that the more women learn about the potential harms of of the menopause uh, and life-destroying symptoms, the more they may, in fact, be likely to suffer problems that they perhaps wouldn't have even noticed in the first place. Yeah, it was put as a worry of expecting the worst, I think, in the paper. Yes, that's right. So that's based on some research done by my colleague, Myra Hunter, who's one who's a psychologist, and one of the other authors in the paper. And they showed that women who had negative expectations of menopause were more likely to have a negative experience, not suggesting they brought it on themselves. I'm saying that the experience of menopause is highly contextual. So, for example, women who live in different parts of the world and the UK and Europe and in North America have very different experiences. And what's quite intriguing about that, I think, is that women who move from one part of the world to another tend to pick up the experiences of the places that they've moved to. So what that's telling us, perhaps, is that we are at risk of setting up menopause to be a terrible experience. For example, women in some Southeast Asian countries if they have symptoms over the menopause, it's more likely to be joints or muscle aches and pains. So it's not hot flushes, which is what we associate with them. The, the conversation that your paper sparked was one about over-medicalisation, the idea that the menopause symptoms were, were being over-medicalised, too much treatment. Could you explain what, what's meant by that? Yes, I think over-medicalisation doesn't necessarily mean treatment. It also means what's sometimes called pathologising which means that something that's natural is made something that's a disease. 
And to put this in a broader context, normal aspects of women's health have been medicalized, you know, over a long period of time. So pregnancy, for example, has been heavily medicalized. I think, you know, in the last decades, there's been quite a kickback against that of, of women saying, you know, we want our this is our pregnancy, we want to do it normally. But we haven't had that conversation about medicine. What do you think about GPs or doctors who set themselves up as kind of private experts on the menopause and then do menopause clinics and that's their one big thing? Do you worry? I mean, a lot of these doctors are incredibly passionate about prescribing HRT. and High believe, profile. Yes, high profile and believe that the risks have been, you know, massively overplayed. What do you think about that? Look, I think two things, really. One is that if you produce or market a drug which half the population has to take, then you're going to make a lot of money out of it. And, you know, we were in that situation many decades ago. Unfortunately, we're not in that situation anymore with HRT. It's something that a small proportion of women take, and hopefully they're ones that need it. I do worry about people who are selling private medications or private practice who are pushing importance of having to go and see a specialist or somebody who's an expert in menopause about this, because, as I said, most women don't need any medical help for this part of their life. Well, they say that, you know, on behalf of their patients who they see, that they often see that these patients who have been pushed from pillar to post, seeing various different GPs and are not being told that their symptoms are actually indicative of the menopause and that, yeah. that HRT would help. And, you know, I mean, there's a massive demand. You know, I know Louise Newsom's yeah. clinic, she recently said that she's got an 8,000-strong waiting list to see her. And that's a very expensive service. The point that we're trying to make, I suppose, here is that we need to support and empower women. Right? And one of the ways of empowering women is to give them information. And information, I think, needs to be available before menopause, really, because by the time it started, it can be frightening if you don't know what to expect. If you do know what to expect and you know where to go, what to do if you need help, these things can be a lot less frightening. And I think the other issue, just going back to the sort of issue around shame, for women, we're hitting ageism, which we know that, you know, over 90% of the population are ages, and we're hitting sexism. So with, with menopause, you're getting both of those things. I think you'd agree. We don't have a society, really, that is has started to tackle these issues about how older women are treated. I was really interested in a recent article written by Suzanne Moore that sort of implied this, but do you think that the kind of attention on high-profile figures who perhaps have, you know, physiques and lifestyles that are maybe not that representative of the majority of older women, do you think in a way that is sort of selling the public false truths about what it is to be an older woman? Yeah, I think so. But the problem is we've only got high-profile people talking about it. What we need is more everybody else really chipping in. So there are initiatives from the UK, actually, where something called Menopause Cafe, where women get together, or men if they want to come, and just talk about their experiences. So I think that's one thing we're trying to push is, yes, some women have a really bad time. Some women don't even notice it. But most are a bit in between. This is not, you know, the end of your life. And just to go back to the more medical side of things, one of the reasons that many people say more people should be offered HRT is because of the growing awareness that there are benefits in terms of protection for heart health, protection for bone health. Is that not a significant factor? So the US task force did a big investigation of this about whether or not there were long-term health benefits for HRT. And their conclusion was no, there weren't and that it should not be given to prevent long-term health problems. So far, the evidence that HRT has long-term health benefits 
is scan. So specifically, if you take it as an older woman for a long time, it will reduce your fracture risk. It's possible that it might slightly reduce heart disease in younger women and take it around the time of normal menopause. But we don't know, really. Dementia also, you know, some studies have shown an increased risk. Uh, none I'm aware of shown a decreased risk. So it's a really good treatment for hot flushes and night sweats. And that's pretty much it. Now, just to to address this, that just in case anyone listening to this might think you are anti-HRT, that you don't want people to take HRT, would you just set the record for that? Sure. I'm a gynecologist and I run a, Australia's largest menopause service. And I prescribe HRT quite often to women um, because it's the right thing for them at that time. I think HRT is a drug. It's like any other drug. It's got pros and cons. So to say it's entirely a good thing or entirely a bad thing is just not reflective of the evidence. Fascinating. Well, Professor Martha Hickey, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay, bye. Well, it was good of her to get off her bike and, and have a chat to us. You could hear the you could hear the traffic sound in the I background. I wonder where she was. I thought it was quite a bold statement to say that HRT helps with night sweats and hot flushes and not much else. That is news to me because mm. you know I'd certainly endlessly hear about the you know the, the serious medical benefits of taking it. So I, I'd have to look into that. I do think there is a parallel with menopause inc and um, periods inc. It's something that has also been irritating me as oh, many this things week. do. As you <laughs> but it's strange, isn't it? This idea that a woman's life stage in terms of their hormonal health becomes so much of a definition of who they are. And that's what I kind of worry about. You know, like you see, there's so much around about we need to talk more about periods. And yes, to a certain extent, maybe. But I hate the idea that it sort of clouds a woman's ability to just get on with her everyday life. And yes, women have periods, so what? I don't like the idea that we have to talk about it so much and understand the difficulties of living with periods. I think the problem, certainly from our perspective, is we see how it's so commercialised. And when it's bodily functions, and it does, as Professor Hickey said, it does seem to very regularly be women's health, Mm. women's bodily functions that these things relate to. And it always seems to be a press release or commercial. Someone's paid a lot of money to try and get a message out. There's period pants. Sell a product to sell a... Period boxes, there's pe- anything you like, stick the word period in front of it and you'll find it. Or menopause. Or menopause, ma- exactly. Well, it must be said that not everyone agrees with Professor Hickey mm. and her comments about menopause being just a natural life stage uh, really ruffled some feathers this week. And uh, we're going to talk to a GP who perhaps has a different approach. On the line next, we have Dr. Juliet Balfour who, uh, as I say, works within the NHS as a GP. It's also a menopause expert and is a key member of the campaign group Menopause Mandate, who went to the Commons this week uh, to talk about the menopause. Dr Belfort, thanks very much for finding some time to talk to us. We're discussing the BMJ paper that suggested that the menopause is being 
over-medicalised or that there is a risk of over-medicalisation of menopause symptoms, which are, a, the paper's authors suggest, a normal life stage, a natural life stage. And that also that by talking about how dreadful the menopause can be, you're making women expect the worst. What would you say as a, as a doctor who specialises in treating the menopause? What would you say to those kinds of comments? Um, well, I, I completely agree that the menopause is a natural phase of life. And if you're lucky enough to live long enough, all women will go through it. But the, the problem is that many women do have a pretty awful time of it in the perimenopause and menopause. And just sort of just saying it's natural, go away, uh, you know, think of the positives. I don't think it's terribly helpful at the moment, especially when so many women sort of desperately want HRT and they can't get it because of the shortages and other women want it. But their GP is worried about the risks or the patient themselves is, wants it, but is worried it's, it's risky. So I don't think it's terribly helpful to, to have this being talked about at the moment. I mean, just in terms of over-medicalisation, I, I don't think it's an either-or. I think that the argument is to, to recognise that, that people with severe menopause symptoms could benefit from treatment with hormone replacement therapy. But the fear is that you could unnecessarily or, or give the idea that people need treatment when they don't need treatment. And given the huge amount of discussion that's gone on and publicity, I suppose, that's been generated by celebs talking about the menopause, um, uh, you know, that there's a worry that, that, that you're, you're essentially uh, channeling women into asking for a drug that they perhaps don't necessarily need and, and may have some risks. Well, I think I think it's really good that people are talking about it and it's great that the celebrities are getting the airtime. But I hear about so many women who are struggling and having awful, awful symptoms. And I agree, we don't want young people to think, oh my goodness me, I'm dreading when I get to my 40s. But equally, we want women to be aware of what might happen to them and then knowing that there's, there's a safe option if it does. Because we've got the menopause at age sort of 51, potentially, but any time between... 45 and 55 but you've got the perimenopause which is that stage before the period stops and that can last up to 10 years so women in their early 40s are getting these awful anxiety depression brain fog uh, memory problems loss of confidence all these horrible, awful psychological symptoms as well as physical symptoms and sometimes they think they're going mad they're worried they're getting dementia or they're worried they're having a heart attack with their palpitations or all sorts of different symptoms so I think really we need more awareness and we, we need to talk about it so people need to know what what to expect and I think the article talks about you know, the importance of lifestyle and I, I'd absolutely agree with that and it also talks about CBT being a, a really good treatment for people who are having sleep problems and, and really awful hot flushes and night sweats. But if, if people are having symptoms through lack of estrogen, by far and away the most effective treatment is HRT. And HRT is much safer than people have been led to believe. For most women, the benefits of HRT will far outweigh the risks. I assume you're talking about the concerns about breast cancer risk. Yes, yeah, so there were concerns about breast cancer risk heart attack strokes and that all came from a big study 20 years ago we now know that estrogen given through the skin and the modern body identical progesterone is actually very safe that combination doesn't have a risk of blood clots it can actually reduce the risk of heart attacks and strokes and the breast cancer risk is much smaller for that type of combined hrt than the oral hrt with the um, synthetic progestogens that we were used in that old study. The other big thing that the article didn't really talk about is that we know that HRT, if you start it within 10 years of your last period, preferably sooner, you can actually reduce your risk of heart disease and blood vessel disease 
when you're older. Uh, and we don't give HRT just for that reason now. We give HRT for women who are having awful symptoms, but there is this added benefit of heart health and also bone health, a reduction in osteoporosis. The forms of HRT that you talked about, are those forms of HRT and the creams and the patches, are they widely available? So can most people on the NHS get those forms? Yeah, so you can get body identical HRT on the NHS. So most forms of Eastern we use now are body identical. So that's the patches, the sprays and the gels. There's only one body identical progesterone, and that's the one that we know has no increased breast cancer risk for the first five years of use. So yes, you should be able to get the gold standard HRT from your GP, uh, except there's now terrible shortages. So at the moment, there's a lot of women who are either missing out on HRT or having to be changed to another product. Do you feel, Juliet, that there are more women who are suffering HRT symptoms than we know of because people don't come forward? Or do you think it's the other way around? Yeah, well, we know about 75% of women get some sort of symptoms and about 25% don't. A lot of women say, oh, gosh, I don't want to try HRT, even though I feel ghastly, because they remember this awful study 20 years ago and they remember the newspaper headlines and they're worried that it's too risky. Whereas, in fact, we know... And the NICE guidelines actually say that for most women who start HRT under the age of 60, for most women, the benefits will outweigh the risks because of these long-term health benefits. And we know that if you're on HRT, your you're all-cause mortality, your risk of dying is less than for people who are not on HRT. So they're quite big, <laughs> um, big factors, but there's, so, there's still all these myths about it, it being too dangerous. So I think a lot of women suffer, but don't talk to anybody about it. Dr. Balfour, can I go back to what you said about the reduction in heart risk? I believe perhaps a lot's been made of that. But when the evidence is looked at in the totality of evidence is looked at and reviewed, that in fact, there really isn't that greater evidence for the health protective effects that we hoped HRT might have. So individual studies have found this, but when all the evidence has been reviewed, uh, that actually that this isn't an effect. And we just had a gynaecologist, a professor of gynaecology, who was on the line and said, really, apart from reducing hot flushes and a few other symptoms, that HRT didn't offer health benefits. Well, so we haven't got the evidence for some things, but we know that we've got lots of evidence, even from the, the, the Women's Health Initiative, the study from 20 years ago, we've, we've got lots of evidence that estrogen is an anti-inflammatory. So if you'd start it within 10 years of your last period or under the age of 60, ideally sooner, the anti-inflammatory effect of estrogen can actually stop the build-up of disease in the blood vessels and therefore stop heart attacks and, and some types of strokes. So we've got evidence for that. And the other thing we've got massive evidence for is the reduction in osteoporosis. Um, and, and osteoporosis is a horrible, silent disease. You don't really know you've got it until you break a bone. And it, it's a massive cause of pain and illness and it lack, loss of independence and money for the NHS. And we categorically know that H, the HRT... Well, it reduces the risk, doesn't yeah. it? It, it? It's not going to stop you. If you've got a strong family history of osteoporosis, taking HRT isn't going to be any kind of guarantee that you're not going to get it. That would be fair to say. It's one of the best treatments, actually. It's now recommended as part of the, the potential treatments of osteoporosis. And at the moment, the guidelines are use HRT for symptoms and use HRT for the prevention or treatment of osteoporosis. They don't say just use HRT for the cardiovascular and bone benefits. It may be that those guidelines change a bit more because we do have definite evidence of those two benefits. The rest of the benefits some people talk about, we haven't got the full evidence 
yet, but sort of I very much go with the British Menopause Society guidelines and, and, and they do lots of research and have, have all lots of consensus statements. So, Would it be fair to say that you feel that more women than are currently on HRT could benefit? Yes. Absolutely. So far from over-medicalising, in fact, we're still under-medicalising. <laughs> I think the trouble is, I think every woman needs to know the evidence evidence base and the facts. And the problem is that the, the facts aren't out there uh, enough and there's still all these myths that are being persisted. And there's, there's, there's a massive spectrum, um, as with lots of things in medicine, you know, from doctors who think absolutely everybody should have HRT, which I, I don't think, or doctors who think that nobody should have HRT. And there's something sort of... Uh, in the middle about you know some that you know some people really need it some people really want it some people don't want it well uh, dr juliet balfour thank you very much for finding some time to talk to us today that's a pleasure bye Well, I have to say to you eve mm. that if i was having the menopause i'd be right on that hrt there's no way I oh, would. I think I'd yeah i think i'd, I'd just, be the I'd same i'd be taking all of it i'd be i'd be rubbing it on i'd be bathing it Give it to me. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But do we have to talk about it all the time? <laughs> We're talking about it now. Sorry, yes. I think a very people... worthy topic of conversation. But the thing is, I get that, you know, some, some women who are going through it might be saying mm-hmm. that, you know, Suzanne Moore might be saying, you know, enough already. Yeah. But certainly when I have a health problem, and I know when you have a health problem, we do love to talk about it. We do love to talk about it. Yes, it gets us through the day. I, I don't know. I've, I've always been one to pop a painkiller or pop a, you know, and anything that I can take to avoid a symptom, mm. I will take it. Yes. So. And, and, and why shouldn't women have a very, you know, readily available treatment that's easy to take, doesn't really come with many side effects to solve a problem that's difficult for them? And also, I'm not totally sure about the whole kind of, yeah, let's normalise being old. I mean, that's a bit of a big ask, isn't it? Because I know that with your feminist hat on, yes. you totally agree with that. Mm. But I know with your non-feminist <laughs> hat on, when you take your hat off... And my hair extends And you let your hair down, yeah. <laughs> that we all want to look and feel our best. And, and Yeah, of course. Why not have a bit of an injection or a jab or a little... Or little, a little pill little with hormones. Spruce, little... Yeah, I'm all for the spruce. I am all for the spruce. But I think also... Not everybody needs or wants the spruce, and that's fine. I guess what it is, it's it's the the pressure to spruce. Yes, it's that's what can feel relentless, can't mm, it? And mm. ever more so that you know, with social media and the fact that mum's on TikTok now, you know. <laughs> well, not mom? your mum or my mum, but just generally, every time I look at TikTok, it seems to be someone middle aged. What's that? Was a challenge enough? <laughs> but you know. I mean, the thing about our culture now is that, that we do have this very kind of blended. Mm. The separation between generations is is not like it was. Mm-mm. People of, of my age and older are, you know, on Instagram looking for likes. Mm. And I guess we are, you know, psychologically in the same place in many ways as 20-somethings, teens almost. They might not think so, I expect, I mm. hope. You can see that, would they call it in American, a disconnect. Yes. (laughs) That although people are getting older, they see themselves as younger. Mm. And so we're going to want to treat that. We're going to want to find a way around that. The fact that actually when you look in the mirror, your mum is still looking back at you no matter what you feel like inside. And you can function at exactly the same level as you functioned 10, 20 years ago and keep going and keep going until you fall off. I still would take the pill. 
I think I probably would too, to be honest. That is all we've got time for. If you have anything to ask us or a suggestion for a topic we should be covering on Medical Minefield, then tweet us using the hashtag Medical Minefield. Um, and you can find all the latest health news in this weekend's The Mail on Sunday or mailplus.co.uk or download our brilliant new app from the App Store. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye.